You are listening to Your Daily Drive, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Your Daily Drive is one of two podcasts that I do. The other one is Life Over Coffee. You can get both of those podcasts on iTunes. It's two separate podcasts, two separate networks that we have, Life Over Coffee and Your Daily Drive. Life Over Coffee is an eclectic podcast that I do. It's a topical podcast where I do interviews and all sorts of things pertaining to the Christian life. Your Daily Drive is different. That is the podcast where I put all of our article content in audio format so you can listen to our articles on the go. This is Your Daily Drive. The title of this podcast is Dear Christian, Are You a Christian? What I want to get at in this podcast, and again, you can read the article on the website if you'd like to do that. Would love for you to do that. Just get the article, same title, share it with a friend, talk about it at the coffee shop. That would be fantastic. But what I'm after in this podcast is I want you to examine your authentic faith. And the reason I say that, because often in counseling, a counselee will say something like, you have not told me anything that I don't already know. And I've, I've thought many times that if you already know this, how come you aren't doing this? If you are a Christian, and I don't doubt the genuineness of your faith, well, how come you're not living a Christian life? And so I'm asking the question, dear Christian, are you a Christian? If you live in this part of the country, where I live, we say this hyperbolically, but everyone is a Christian, and I do say that tongue-in-cheek. Everybody's not a Christian, but it is a Christian-centered culture here where there is a high level of morality, and I think sometimes it's just good to examine your faith. So someone, in fact, I've heard this so many times in my Counseling experience where the counselee will say, you haven't told me anything that I don't already know. Now, I am not bothered and I'm not put off by their comment. I'm really, really not. In fact, I, I hope that I'm not telling them anything new. If I'm telling them something new that they don't know, then I'll have to do more than just discipleship counseling care I'll have to do more than practical theology is what I'm saying. I will have to build a theology for them if they do not know. But if they are a Christian and they're listening to what I am saying, I probably did not tell them anything new. Typically, most of the people that I counsel know what to do because they have a level of morality. They know right from wrong understanding the correct thing to do in your life and your relationships is not unusual unless there is a searing of the conscience. For example, a spouse knows that it's right to be kind to their partner, to their spouse. Honestly, who does not know that it's right to be nice Being gracious to others is part of our human wiring. Paul talked about this in Romans 2.14 and 15, where he talked about the unregenerate 
individual, the person who is not saved. He called them Gentiles. And he said that the Gentiles, people who don't have the Bible, people who aren't Christians, that they understand the difference between right and wrong. It is part of our Adamic wiring to have a certain level of morality. We know what we're supposed to do. This is how Paul said it in Romans 2. He said, for when the Gentiles who do not have the law Now, what he's saying here is he's writing the New Testament at this time, so he's not talking about the New Testament. He's talking about the Old Testament. And he's saying the the Gentiles do not have the Old Testament, but these Gentiles, by nature, they do what the law requires. He says they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. He goes on to say they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse and even excuse them. The Gentiles know what to do. Most everybody knows the difference between right and wrong. There are times when I wonder why a person pays me to tell them what they already know. Now, I know that there are layers to this perspective, but in many situations, the individual knows what they should be doing. Recently, I asked a Christian couple who have chosen not to get along, and so here is a couple that comes to me to counseling, and they've been arguing for a long time. Their marriage is on the rocks. Now, now notice this. They've been arguing for a long time. Their marriage is on the rocks, and they are a Christian couple. I asked them if they wanted to start living like Christians. This is how I said it. Quote, do you both want to be Christians? End quote. Now, the question was simple, though the actual practicalization of it, the practicalization of Christianity, living out Christianity practically in their home and in their marriage, it always has several complications for people. And I understand this. And I'm not attempting to oversimplify the change process. But at some point, you have to examine whether your most authentic heart's desire is to be like Jesus. You're a Christian. You say you are a Christian. A Christ follower, that's what it means. And so the question is, that's why I ask them, do Do you people who say that you're Christians, this couple that I'm talking to, do you want to be a Christian? If a person chooses not to walk in the steps of the Savior, what you're going to find is there is idolatry somewhere in their heart complicating matters. Idolatry always wants something different than what Christ expects for our lives. And as long as you want something other than Christ, most of all, you'll not be able to live the Christian life as defined by God's Word. I think sometimes we just need to call time out And just ask the simple question, do you want to live like a Christian? Now, this won't work for everyone. This is not something that I would suggest that that you do with every person that you meet. Because counseling or discipleship is not that simplistic most of the time, but sometimes you just need to call a halt and say, 
the Christian life is not rocket science. After the Lord regenerates you, it's a matter of deciding whether you want to live for Him. And so that's why I say, may I ask, are you a Christian? It's a straightforward question, are you? After God regenerated me in 1984, I wanted to live for Him. I wanted to learn what the Bible said, and I wanted to emulate the Bible in my life. That is what Christians do. And so when I see Christians that, or they say they're Christians, and they're battling all the time, and they can seem never to work it out, well, we need to talk about this. Where I live in Greenville, South Carolina, we joke about being a Christian. Now, what I mean is, is that people, the people in this area, they're characterized in this part of the United States, they're characterized as, as Christian. Everybody's a Christian. I tell people we don't do evangelism here where I live because everybody's a believer. It's just a part of what it means to live in the Christian South. Now, I say that with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek, of course. But you can go to any part of our town and pick a person at random and ask them if they are a Christian. Most of the time, their answer will be in the affirmative. And so when I asked you the question earlier, are you a Christian? I was not asking whether God saved you. I was not asking if you've made a profession of faith I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm not asking if your parents reared you in a Christian family. I'm not asking about baptism. I'm asking you if you are a Christian from a James 2 perspective. This is what I'm after, James 2.14. James says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, we all know that your works don't save you. James is not saying that you're saved by your works. We know that is not true. But we also know that our works point undeniably to the reality of your faith, who you are on a day-to-day basis tells the story of your faith. And that's what this podcast is about. And that's why I titled it, Dear Christian, Are You a Christian? Meaning, are you a Christian that is authenticated by your works? Now, let me repeat this again. It's not your works that save you. And so James is not in an argument with Paul. There's no argument whatsoever. Paul taught that salvation comes as a free gift, not based on your works. Clear as day. James is saying that if you are genuinely saved, you will have the accompanying works that go along with that salvation, that come after that salvation. And so, The order is salvation leads to sanctification or Christian works. It's really simple. It's like you put an orange seed or an apple seed in the ground, and what you're going to get is oranges from the orange seed. 
get apples from the apple seed. It's how it works. If it is legitimately an apple seed, it will be legitimate apples on the tree. If the seed of God's word has exploded in your heart and you have been quickened, as Paul said in Ephesians 2, you have been made alive. God has shown mercy to you. He has raised you up from the dead and he has given you salvation. If that seed has been planted in your heart, then your day-to-day story should be a story of faith. My daily activity is how I want you to judge me. And so turn to tables here. Let's not make it about you. Let's make it about me. Judge me by my daily activity. Don't listen to what I tell you. I will tell you that God regenerated me in 1984. I've already said that. That's when Jesus came. That's when I was born again. That's when I was made alive in Christ. But don't listen to that. Watch what I do as I live out my faith. It is possible for me to trick you with my words, but it is harder to deceive you by my actions. And so would you be willing to take a a Christian test right now? For the next few minutes, this is a test. I want to give you a Christian test. I want to give you a few straightforward x-ray questions that will reveal the authentic story that your life is presenting to those around you. These are some of the things that I ask people during counseling. These questions, I have 22 of these questions for you. And again, you can go to the website, you can get this article, and you can print this out. I have a scripture verse or verses beside each one of these questions so that you can look up the verses. This would be a wonderful assessment test to expose the actual condition of your heart and your life. A fantastic way to ask these questions is with a spouse. If you are married... I challenge you to sit down with your spouse and and you answer those questions together. Take your wife or take your husband on a date. Go out for coffee and say, hey, baby, I want to ask you some questions about me. And I would like for you to give your opinion about me based on these questions. It's an authentication test, if I could say that correctly. If you you could ask these questions with your child, with your parent, with your parents, children, you can sit down with your parents, your family, or a close friend, and ask them to help you answer these questions by offering their perspective. Now, perhaps you need to release them from the fear of being forthright with you. Biblically, it's called the fear of man. Sometimes when we get with some people, we are inhibited from saying exactly what we are thinking because of fear. Highly possible. And so what you would want to do is if you're doing this with another individual or individuals, assure them that they will not offend you by helping you assess yourself honestly. Will you do it? Now, I want to give you a big caveat here. Answering yes or no 
to these questions, that will not affirm or deny whether you are a Christian. What you're doing is examining the practical outworking of your Christian life. If you score a hundred on this, it it doesn't necessarily mean you are a Christian. It could very well mean that, but you're not saved by your works. And I just want to be clear with that again because I know some people get confused. They put sanctification in front of salvation, and it sounds like this. What I do, well, that makes me a Christian, and that is wrong. It is heresy. Salvation comes first. My sanctification comes out of my salvation because I have been born a second time. So I want to roll through these questions And you examine yourself to see how you line up, because all of these things are representative of who Jesus was when he walked among us, and you want to be Christ-like. So this is an authentic Christian life test, what your faith looks like in your day-to-day affairs. Number one, are you a joy to be around? A simple question. Are you a joy to be around? The text is Hebrews 13, 17, which contextualizes it in the local church. And I've asked this question many times to many people. I recently asked at the last conference where I was speaking, and I asked everyone in that conference to go to their pastor or their pastors and say, hey, pastor, am I a joy for you to shepherd me? The Christian life authenticated is that the Christian is a joy to be around. You can ask that with your spouse, with your children. Would your children say, if you have children, would they say, oh, yes, my daddy, my mom, uh, they are a joy to be around. That's part of what it means to be a Christ follower. Number two, would you be characterized as an encourager? Ephesians 4.29 talks about edifying building up the other person. Paul was very strong on this. He said, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. The question is, would you be characterized as an encourager? Characterized means how you are most of the time, because I know most of the time, I know some of the time you are not as I am not some of the time, because we can be discouraging. But how are you generally characterized? Is it as an encourager? Number three, are you ready and willing to forgive those who sin against you? Now, it doesn't mean that you will forgive those who sin against you, because they may never ask. But are you ready and willing? What what I'm talking about here is holding a grudge. Having bitterness, a bitter root growing inside of you because you're not ready. You don't have an attitude of forgiveness. Number four, are you known as a person who seeks to serve others? One of the most beautiful pictures of Jesus. Mark ten forty five. the Son of Man came to be served, but not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I just told my children this yesterday, that I want y'all to continually argue and compete on trying to outserve the other person 
or as Paul said it this way, outdo one another in showing honor. Make it competitive in Jesus' name. Are you known as a person who seeks to serve others? Are you a joy to be around? Would you be characterized as an encourager? Are you ready and willing to forgive those who sin against you? Are you known as a person who seeks to serve others? And number five, do others want to be around you because of your relationship with Christ? In John 6, 2, it says a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus had this gathering quality about him. Now, you know, there's many other texts. I just grabbed one at random, but there's many other texts that would support this idea. People wanted to be with Jesus, whether it were the multitudes or a woman coming in and breaking a box and and shedding tears over him. He just had this gathering ability where people wanted to be around him. Do others want to be around you because of your relationship with Christ? There is something magnetic about the personality of Jesus Christ. And when it is active in you, people are drawn to you. Number six, is your Christianity exportable to the next generation? Paul told Timothy, he said, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul lived out a practical, exportable religion, always wanting to export his Christianity to the next generation. Is your Christianity exportable? Now, one of the First places where you will see this or discern this is with if you have children is with your children. Are they embracing your Christianity? Do they want to follow Christ because of your Christ-like example? Sometimes the way some people live out the Christian life is that it's not exportable. Their children don't want it. You'll hear it this way sometimes. If that is Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. Is there a sweet savor to your Christianity? Is it exportable? The exportability of Christ. Well, it happens as we practically live him out. Number seven, how would you describe a person if they imitated your life? If someone became your doppelganger, your Christian doppelganger, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. How would you describe a person if you looked in the mirror, you looked at the other person and they were copying you? What would you describe? How would you describe them? Number eight, do you consider yourself as the foremost sinner? Paul died. He left a vacancy in the chief sinner's seat, as he said in 1 Timothy 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Well, Paul's not here any longer. Have you ascended the foremost sinner's seat? Do you consider yourself? Or are there other people that you look upon and you consider them to be greater sinners than you are? Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Judging the log in your own eye, everybody else has a speck from your perspective. Number nine, is your primary goal in life is to love God and others, most of all. Matthew 22, the two great commandments, and honestly, you can simplify your Christianity to these four words, and two of the words are the same. Love God, love 
others is your primary goal in life to love God and others most of all. Number 10, are you approachable? Tied to that, are you correctable? Paul said in Philippians 2, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Are you approachable? Are you correctable? That people can participate with you. Koinonia is the word there. People can come, they can approach you, they can correct you, they can bring their perspectives to you, what they observe about you. Number 11, how do you practically resist pride and pursue humility? Number 12, are you consistently Christian in every context of your life? As Paul said, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, wherever you are, no matter what you're doing, you're doing it for the glory of God. Number 13, ask your spouse to name three ways in which they see Jesus in you. And if you don't, if you're not married, just ask a friend. Number 14, do you lead your family or do you lead your friends in spiritual disciplines? Number 15, do you confess your sins more than talking about other people's sins? 16. Ask your closest friends to describe you in one sentence. What did they say? Here's a good way that you could describe Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and He'll crucified. Would they say something like that about you? He's a, he's a Johnny One Note, is who he is. Is Christ. That's all he wants to know, and that's all he wants to share. Number 17, how would you say that you are affected by the gospel? Number 18, do you look down on, criticize, or gossip about any person? Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Number 19, do you regularly Get sinfully angry. Number 20, three more will be done. Which do you do more? Confess sins or commit sins? Number 21, do you regularly confess your sins to everyone you sin against, not just the Lord? Do you confess horizontally to those that you sin against? And number 22, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? What is your life narrative? What is it say to those who are around you? Now, this podcast is about living out your Christian faith practically. It is not about how to become a Christian you can do all of these things or come close to doing all these things and and not be a Christian. Your works do not save you, but they do point, your works do point to the reality of salvation. Now, if you have a concern about your faith or if you need help in your Christian walk, those are two different things. 
You're struggling with the assurance of salvation. I'm not sure if I am a believer. That's one thing. Or it could be that you are a believer and you're struggling with your walk. Either way, would you talk to us? Would you get your username and your password? It's free on our website. There's, there's no catch here. You just have to have a username and a password, and then you can go to our forums, and you can ask any question that you want, want to ask. But I know that some folks do struggle with their salvation, and I've, I've been a little bit redundant here about that to try to be clear that your works don't save you. Your works is what comes, the apples is what come from the apple seed. But we also want to make sure that we are living the Christian life practically. And these questions, they would be fantastic. I double-dog dare you to ask these in a small group of friends. Some of you college kids, college students, career, young adults, get together with your friends and, and talk these out. Parents, children, husband, wife, friend to friend. Uh, this is a good – now, there's a hundred other questions that you could ask. This is not an exhaustive list. If you want to read this, go to our website, get the entire article. It's actually short. It's about – I don't know what it is, a thousand words maybe. But it's titled, Dear Christian, Are You a Christian? Uh, that is the question. Has God regenerated you, and how is your faith lived out in a practical way? Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.